you would be enthusiastic about staying at your job if you were really happy. I think that's part of the problem is that we keep doing the same thing. Putting our teammates first, putting our team first as individuals, making sure that we show how caring we are as a, a group. We've always had the philosophy that employees should be looking at the culture fit. And we as organizations should look at the culture fit as well. For flexibility for someone's job, what you are actually saying is, I trust, I value you, not just as an employee at our company, but you also have value as an individual. Welcome to The Human Factor, where we talk people, culture, and resources for humans. On this episode, I asked David Plazas about changes in the media industry, DE&I, and labels. Thank you all very much for tuning in again to The Human Factor. I'm your host, Cole Evans. I am joined today by a friend of mine, David Plazas. David is the Director of Opinion and Engagement with The Tennessean. Uh, We had the um, really authentic way of connecting. Uh, We were putting an event on here at WorkZinga. It was um, at the beginning of the year in January uh, called State of Culture. It was an event here at the Nashville Tech Council. And uh, David was gracious enough. We reached out to him and he said, absolutely, I'll make time in my schedule and, and came out and moderated a conversation um, with us and, and a gathering of people with some key businesses in Nashville to talk about workplace culture. I, and that's where we met, David, and uh, just have had some really great rapport uh, since then. And I really appreciate you jumping on today to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We'll do a little bit of an intro here and give our audience on both podcasts and on YouTube a little peek behind the curtain, if you will, of who in the world is David, if you don't already know him. Uh, David, number one, we'll start off by saying congratulations, celebrating five years at the Tennessean. Uh, TEDx Nashville speaker in March of 2020, David launched Tennessee Voices, which is now passed. Ask him right before we hit live. Uh, he's passed 305 uh, episodes. That's a lot of episodes of uh, Tennessee Voices. So congratulations there with thousands upon Thank thousands you. of downloads, just uh, continuing a, a, a great conversation and and pushing back and, and getting really good uh, dialogue going in our community and around the state. And I really appreciate that, David. Uh, David's an award-winning, passionate journalist, uh, mentor, speaker, DEI leader. He is the opinion engagement editor, uh, I'm sorry, engagement director, as I said, for uh, USA Today Network, Tennessee. He frequently moderates. Uh, if, you, if, if you're if you in the state of Tennessee or around, you've probably seen David's face on uh, stages where gubernatorial races are going on and lots of other um, uh, races around the state. David's very involved and in, in really keeping his fingers on the pulse of all things going around in the state and around, and around the country. Um, he chairs the Tennessee's Diversity and Inclusion Task Force. Definitely want to ask you about that. And you are the DEI leader for the parent company, Gannett. That is a very, very, how long have you had that role, David, as the as the DEI lead there? So I'm the lead for uh, the Tennessean since 2016. And actually, you know, my trajectory, the last five years has been the anniversary at the USA Today Network Tennessee, which is uh, the Tennessean is part of. So I've been with right. the Tennessean in total eight years and uh, with Gannett for 22 years. But uh, as DEI leader uh, 2016, and I currently serve on our CEO's Diversity Advisory Council, which is a one-year appointment. And so I'm very much involved in those issues. Oh, that's great, man. Well, thank you very much again. Uh, I start off all of them with the exact same way, even though I kind of jumped around a little bit. David, how are you doing? I am feeling healthy, which is good. Uh, yeah. Feeling uh, feeling well, aside from the allergies that uh, tend to afflict me here in Nashville. 
uh, doing very well and uh, and trying to stay my uh, some biking and uh, hopefully get back to running after I get over a little bit of a knee little injury. There you go. It's uh, I call it the Dust Bowl. Uh, we've been here for um, 14, 15 years, and it it never fails. If you don't have sinuses or have no clue what sinus issues are like, come to Middle Tennessee and we will help you figure that out. Um, David, going back through, you have to do about five seconds of stalking you on uh, digital to figure out that your entire career has been in all things media. What I would like is uh, tell our audience on both um, uh, podcast and on YouTube. Um, what I have here is changes that you've seen over the last decade or two as it pertains to DEI. And here's kind of a subnote that, that I wrote out. I, I have also built my career in media. And, and my subnote here is I find that media as an overall umbrella is usually pr a pretty progressive industry. Uh, but I put a big comma on that and say, but it really, um, really it depends on the specific audience of the specific channels mm -hmm. that might not be progressive, right? Tell our audience a little bit about what the last 10 to plus years have looked like um, from your seat, some of the roles that you have played in, in many different companies, aside from um, the chair and appointed boards that you sit on now. Tell our audience a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, thanks so much, Cole. It's so good to be here with you and with Workzinga. I really enjoyed that panel that I moderated uh, a few months ago. Um, and essentially, DEI uh, has always been something that's been very important to players in the media industry, including Gannett, my company. But I will tell you that there's been a huge uh, sea shift really in the last two to three years. Uh, we have seen with the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, uh, there was what was known as the racial reckoning, where companies and organizations and people were called to do something very significant. And DEI has always been part of our culture. And I remember when I uh, first started getting to this type of work, our, our then CEO would say that, uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, really is, is significant to our bottom line, but it's more than that today. Today, we really talk about an inclusive culture, bringing yourself, your whole authentic will, uh, self to work, feeling welcome, and also something even more profound, which is we are um, deliberately measuring ourselves and reporting this progress to the public about how well we're doing when it comes to hiring people of color uh, and people of diverse backgrounds within our newsroom. So we have a challenge, a five-year challenge that started in 2020, that by 2025, we will reflect in all our major newsrooms the exact demographics of the community around us. Because for too long, for decades, many news organizations, including the Tennessean, including others across the state, uh, weren't as committed as they should have been. Uh, and uh, just a very quick historical note, back in the late 60s, there was a commission called the Kerner Commission under LBJ's administration that first uh, reported that the, the press is contributing to this division, the racial division in our community. And if it were more reflective of the society within their newsrooms, things might change. 50 plus years later, we've made a bit of progress, but not enough. It's very interesting. Um... Very interesting. You're, you're, um, as, as if you're looking at this on YouTube, I had to like blink my eyes. It, it's, um, sad yet very true when you say 50 years, um, in conversations I'm having, uh, literally a couple of um, a webinar type things this morning, another conference out of Miramar, Florida, the conversations are the same. Uh, they really are. Whether I'm talking to individuals like yourself, a small mom and pop company to the top, you know, Fortune 100 companies, this kind of common thread of uh, nothing is that quick, right? It's a practice. It's an everyday tried and true um, learning and understanding of where we come from. But at the same time, um, 
trying to do better tomorrow. So it's um, uh, it's an interesting point there. Um, last time you and I were on a call, if I'm not mistaken, you were in this office. I remember those uh, posters, but I also remember that you were, um, I, I remember asking you, you're one of the only people at that uh, spe specific point in the building. So I want to talk to you for a second about hybrid work. Um, what has, uh, how's it affected your work, uh, David? Talk to me about, uh, you know, teams that maybe you collaborate with, uh, you know, do you do all of your, uh, you know, writing from a coffee shop, as my Malcolm Gladwell says, or uh, talk to us a little bit about what in-office work looked like versus what now is inevitably the hybrid model that, you know, a majority of companies are, are working through. Yes, no, no, thank you for that question. And prior to the pandemic, my equivalent of the coffee shop was the Nashville Public Library. I'd go to the downtown branch, uh, sit in the civil rights room, where I had a view of the state capitol and also Church Street Park. It was a beautiful view and really profound. So it allowed me to get into the right headspace uh, as a journalist to write the things that I wanted to write about since I write, um, I, I cover uh, issues of state and local politics. Um, the pandemic has changed quite a bit because obviously the expectation to come into the office five days a week is no longer there, at least for the time being and maybe forever. Uh, we currently have a situation since April that people are required to come in uh, two times a week. Uh, and uh, I, for the last over a year, have been coming back you know, every single day. There's the option to do that. I prefer to be in the office. This is uh, uh, so in, in, in a sense, this has become kind of like the coffee shop in a way, which is yeah. kind of weird. Uh, but I also think it's been very important to have the presence of uh, senior and veteran editors in the room, especially when you have interns or younger reporters. I, I'm a big believer in mentorship and you can do it virtually. But it's far more effective in my experience when you do it in person, when you have that opportunity to be there. Uh, the pandemic um, was challenging for me from the standpoint of my personality. I'm a very social person. I love going to events, moderating events, and being stuck in my dining room table working was uh, not an ideal situation. But it also allowed me to innovate uh, things like the Tennessee Voices podcast, um, which allowed me to stay connected with the world, even though it was in the virtual setting. And I continue to do it today because I think it is important to have both end. You know, uh, there's a time for the virtual setting, the virtual meeting, where you can be extremely productive. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's times to do those in-person conversations where you can see people's facial expressions, hand movements. You know, I just was in a room with a couple of editors talking about uh, some news that uh, that broke recently, and uh, it allowed us to respond very quickly to each other. Uh, and um, you don't have that lag. Then again, I'm very hypersensitive to the trends in work. Uh, I uh, have been in the DEI space with my company since uh, I think it was 2007, perhaps, uh, when I first started uh, doing this kind of work, uh, recruiting and uh, understanding our, our hiring trends. And it's changed quite a bit. Uh, you know, I've heard a trend now called quiet quitting, which has been, um, I think it's a TikTok trend, uh, but it's about you know, what is the level of work that's expected of you and that you're going to do? Uh, and I'm still understanding these things. I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer, uh, but I also am someone who do doesn't believe that labels should limit who you are, or how you work. And I am a big fan of young journalists. Uh, I'm a big advocate for mentoring and seeing the potential they have and trying to understand the fact that they've gone through tremendous amounts of trauma over the last couple of years, whether it comes to the issue of the racial reckoning we just had, um, we, we have a new segment. And part of it is because of, of uh, the pandemic, called, it's a Twitter Spaces segment uh, where we invite guests of all sorts of uh, from all across Tennessee to talk about the things that they're working on. And last week, we talked about our Black Tennessee Voices initiative with our journalists, LeBron Hill, Ira Watts, and also a new journalist on our team, Santa Clark, talking about the possibilities of seeing representation 
but at the same time, understanding the trauma that exists when you are in a predominantly white space and what that means for someone who's a journalist of color. It's a good point. We have uh, talked with the DEI specialist. She's the head of DEI for um, Neuro Leadership Institute, uh, Janet Stovall. She's actually, uh, like yourself, has been a TEDx speaker. And uh, she brought up a, a good point that I've mentioned on a couple of lives here, which is um, diversity, to her point, is a headcount game. Inclusion is the hard work. Inclusion is actually bringing all of those really, uh, those diversities, if you will, and cultivating them, curating them together into, you know, uh, a safe space, uh, a, a calm and, and, and challenging working environment, but um, in a professional manner, obviously, but at the same time, um, doing more than just putting different color, different skin colored people around you in the room and thinking you've checked the box. A great point. And I think one of the things that is challenging with journalism is that you have to manage um, a, a very, uh, you know, uh, difficult walk when it comes to creating safe spaces, but also preparing journalists to deal with a very dangerous world, you know, whether they go out to uh, cover an event or a protest or where they have to face sources that might be hostile. We have to teach journalists to be resilient, but also find a space where we can, you know, decompress and really uh, recharge ourselves. Um, you know, one of the, the I'm, I'm moderating a panel uh, in October on the issue of the Uvalde shooting, and this is with our um, our colleagues at the Austin American Statesman who covered uh, this terrible tragedy last spring with 19 children and two teachers being massacred in a in a gun sh- in a in a school shooting. Uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the trauma that journalists feel when they have to cover and the guilt that they feel because they're not the ones who experienced the trauma, but in a sense, they're having to relive this and having to to tell these stories and be accountable to both the people who are celebrating them and the people who are lambasting them because they feel they should not tell certain parts of the story. That is, um, uh, while I have experienced um, uh, probably more on the happier, lighter side of your content, David, I uh, appreciate uh, you sharing that with our audience and and there's no doubt there is um, some one vein I'll say heaviness, but I'll say real, realness uh, to a lot of the conversations that the journalist uh, community is is facing every single day. Um, And I know you are as well. Um, If you, uh, again, thank you again, if you are on YouTube or on all places that you get your podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you will do two quick things for me, doesn't matter what device you're on, but uh, please do uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a comment. Those two very simple things allow the podcast world to open us up and to reach so many other people. I've timed it, David. I think it's 45 seconds. So you can hit subscribe and leave a comment in about 45 seconds. Uh, David, again, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you the very last question we ask everyone, which is how do you, David Plazas, define workplace culture? Cool. That's a hard question. Uh, really make me think, but I think workplace culture is uh, a in, in many ways, it's an evolving and adaptive term because um, times change, uh, attitudes change. I'll tell you that 20 plus years ago, you were likely to see bullying bosses and smoking and drinking in the newsroom. Right. Where today, those kinds of things are absolutely unacceptable. And I think um, setting a high standard for professionalism where people can feel like they can be themselves, but also be respectful of others uh, and uh, and learn from each other, that to me is the ideal workforce uh, or, or work culture. Uh, and, you know, we're bound to make mistakes and I think we need to show each other grace. I've uh, been seeing this uh, feature by the Axios newsletter where 
people of different generations, be it boomers or Gen Xers or Gen, Gen Y and Zers, give each other advice and perspective on what they see in the workforce. And one thing that really resonated with me was comments where people say, just because I have a different opinion than you doesn't mean I hate you and you know, vice versa. You know, Can we find a spot where we can agree, uh, where we can have discussions where we can learn from each other um, and really come away uh, better colleagues, better friends, uh, and doing better work because if we're in a good headspace, we're absolutely going to be successful. We have this conversation on a regular basis about um, exactly that gener- generational diversity. Um, if you haven't, uh, definitely toggle over to LinkedIn. We do a LinkedIn live called Analyzing Us um, on a bi-monthly cadence, and we're really excited about continuing that conversation to that exact point. Um, you know, one kind of thing I say, David, is a 58-year-old and a 28-year-old do not prioritize their life the same. They might both want a short commute. They might both want a 401k, but they don't want them in the same one, two, three order. So uh, very, very good point. If you want to follow David, uh, if you want to connect with all things Tennessee Voices, check out the links in the show notes, no matter where you are. It's the copy below this media. Check it out and you click on the links and connect with David. David, Director of Opinion Engagement with the Tennessean. I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Cole.